Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. All right, so um, I know y'all just sat down, but I'm going to need y'all to stand up real quick, okay? Everybody in this room, young, old, or whatever you think you are in the middle, all right? I want everybody to stand up real quick. I want you to look at the person beside you, okay? If you don't have someone beside you, look behind you. Look to somebody near you because I want you to look into their eyes. I want you to tell them that this message is for them. And um, look, look at them again and say, but it's also for me. <laughs> so here is the thing I want to do, okay? Here's my philosophy about preaching. I always want to make sure that I am reaching out to every single person that's in the room. Right, Whether you know the Bible really well or whether you don't know the Bible at all. And I wanted to have the kids in here today because I want everybody to know that this message is for all of them. Doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter how old you are, this message is for you. You guys can be seated. Thank you guys so much for being here. Today is no different than any other day that I preach. I want to speak about the importance of I want to speak of the, about the importance of something that, um, that we can all be able to get something from, that I can be able to get something from, that you guys can be able to get something from. See, the title of today's sermon is Cosine. Okay, so here's the thing, okay? Today is National Speed of Light Sunday. So um, if you don't know what Speed of Light is, let me explain it to you, okay? Speed of Light is how our students give the missions. So you guys have probably heard now, by now about our, what, how Kids Alive gives the missions. They give to missions through this thing called BGMC. Speed the Light is for the students. It's for the middle school and high school students who, um, who see um, God doing amazing and mighty things all over the world. It helps them grow compassion for other people who don't look like them, who don't speak the same language as them, who have different cultures and different personalities, it's, it, 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 they get to be able to make a difference in a way that they could never do it if they were just doing it alone. See, um, we partner with this and we partner with missionaries so that they can help spread the gospel. See, God works in the hearts of our students so they can grow compassion for lost people all over the globe. And the students initiate ways to raise money for the cause. We're going to talk about some of those ways a little bit later, but um, I just want to tell you guys, this year's theme for Speed of Light and BGMC is actually all in. So this year, they started doing something that they've been kind of hinting to for a while, but what they're doing is they are calling it the next-gen missions department, okay? So it's not just BGMC, it's not just Speed the Light, it is next-gen because what we're recognizing is, as a, as a fellowship, is we're recognizing that um, the, the missions, it cannot stop with, with, with uh, the millennial generation. It can't even stop with Gen Z. It can't stop with Gen Alpha either. What we need to do is we need to continue to pass on the torch so that every single person can get involved, so that every single person can see the importance in the person that they might not even see. 
But see, um, today, okay, the title of this message is Cosign, okay? But before I get into this message, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to let, I want God to use whatever I say to change, to change the atmosphere here. So Lord Jesus, I just pray that you do what only you can do. I pray that you work through a person like me who has so many flaws and so many things that might be wrong, God. But God, you want to be able to work through today. Speak through me, God. May people be able to see your word, God. May every person in this room be able to come out with something that they learned today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so a cosign, if you guys don't know what that is, a cosine, the definition, I just wanted to get the exact definition because some of y'all are exact people, okay? So the exact definition is this, to sign a loan or lease jointly with another person in order to guarantee payment. So um, I want to explain what a spiritual cosign is today. See, when you cosign something, you are saying that I agree with the purchase that's being made. You are standing in agreement with this person and saying, hey, I'm signing this because I want to see you make it to the end. And man, if y'all don't see why we need that as Christians. We need people to be able to say, I'm going to stand beside you and I'm going to be with you so that you can see this to the end. So that the project, the job, the, the ability that God has given you doesn't go to the wayside. And that is what we're talking about today. And so I want to say there's a few reasons why we need this as Christians. And so we're going to talk about this today. But here's what I want to do, okay? Um, some of y'all were wondering, okay, why in the world I was giving out Bibles? Because if you guys have a physical Bible, I'm going to need you guys to take it out. Because we are about to do something called a sword drill. All right? So do not put it up yet because I don't want anyone to cheat, okay? So... All right, so how a sword drill works, okay? Or at least how I'm going to do it, okay? You're going to put the Bible on top of your head, okay? You guys are like, why I put it on top of my head? It's so no cheatsies, okay? No, you, we don't want cheetahs, okay? We are not a safari, so we don't want cheetahs. Um, but if you guys don't have, anybody get that? Okay. Anyway, but um, if you guys don't have a physical Bible, there are some physical Bibles here. I want to see who is going to be the quickest one to get to the verse, okay? All right? Y'all kids, y'all think y'all, y'all think y'all got it? Y'all think you're going to beat them? Oh, you did this at camp. You're right. You, we did do this at camp. All right. Anybody think that, that they got this? Okay. So there is a prize for the person who can get there first. Okay. So what you need to do is you have to get there. Then I need you to speed walk, not run, speed walk, not run. Okay. Um, speed walk, not run up here to show me the verse, okay? If you guys do that, you guys will be able to get the prize, okay? All right? Three, two, one, go. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. If you could put it up on the screen, because people will probably forget that. Yeah. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. Okay. All right. You got there and you got there. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So 
All right, Sarah got here first, okay? So the prize that you get, okay, you get, um, you get a hot chocolate bomb, okay? So if you guys don't know how these work, you get some warm milk, and you pour it inside of a cup, and you put one of these in there, boom, you get hot chocolate. And it's got, and it's got marshmallows inside of it. So we're going we're gonna to do another one later, okay? I don't know what I did with my other hot chocolate bomb. Oh, did it fall out? Look, I'll get that later. No, we'll, we'll worry about that later. All right. So Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you need some time, say, I need some time. You need some time? Okay, okay, I'll give you some time. I'll give you some time. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, you guys don't get to hear the wonderful commentary I get from the front row. Um, and so I'll just leave that one to where it's at. <laughs> All right, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. All right, it says this, okay? It says this right here. I'm like, I lost it like that quick. Uh, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under, and put it under, and put it under him. Yeah, I lost it already. All right, I put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this down on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. So here's the thing I want you guys to know, okay? Everyone needs a cosign, like I said. The first reason why everyone needs a cosign is that everybody needs someone who will fight for them. Everybody needs somebody that will fight for them. See, Moses knew he couldn't be at two places at once. So he found someone he trusted to give some of the work to. He, he, didn't, say, like, he didn't say, oh, I'm going to go try to fight this battle. He said, Joshua, can you go fight this battle for me? I'm going to be here and do what I can do, but I want you to do what you can do to fight this battle. Now, I, I just want to ask you guys a real question, okay? Is there any of you guys that are good with tools? Anybody that you would say, like, if, like, if I figure out how to do it, like, if I see, like, a little diagram, I can be able to do it. Anybody? Okay. All right. If you can put together furniture. You can maybe work on a car or something. Like, you, you, you know a little bit about tools, right? Um, uh, let me tell you. I am not that person. <laughs> I am not good with tools. Um, there is an interesting story of how I ended up uh, breaking a whole fan from the ceiling of my house. And um, that will be um, a story to tell you guys later. Um, but if you guys want to know that, ask me after service. What about the fan? What happened with the fan? But yeah, just know that um, wires um, snapped and um, 
Yeah, luckily no one was there. Um, but anyway, but fans fell from the ceiling because I'm not good with tools, okay? But any of you guys, would you consider yourself creative people? Y'all like writing things. Y'all like drawing things. Y'all like making up things that aren't like exactly there, but you can be able to make into something. Anybody raise their hand if that's you? You enjoy creative things. I, they, they say that most of the times they, um, people that are really good at creative things are not really good at the logical things like math and things like that because those use different sides of the brain. That's what a lot of people say, and it seems to be fairly true, because most people that I know that are good at math are not really good at the whole imagining something, okay? But here's the thing, okay? I um, was able to do this uh, project when I was in high school. If y'all didn't know this, when I was in high school, I was a part of, um, I was a, part of a, um, a gifted art program. Um, it was uh, called Arnold R. Burton. If you guys know what Arnold R. Burton is, it's got... Uh, stuff for different types of people. It's got stuff for engineering, stuff for people who do mass communications, stuff for people who do performing arts. But I was the visual arts uh, uh, category, so that was what I was in. And so we did this thing one time where we got to be able to do this thing that they call construction. Okay, what you do is you make a sculpture, but you make it out of cans of food. And so um, you had to make these like massive sculptures and there were like crazy stuff there. Like there was one person that made a whole portrait of Steve Jobs with cans of beans and soup. Like it was pretty amazing to see what people did. Well, what we did for our project was we recreated an Andy Warhol painting. If y'all know Andy Warhol, y'all probably seen this painting. It's like the painting of the soups where they're di different colors or whatever. So we basically put cans of soup to make big cans of soup. So, um, you know, maybe that wasn't as creative as I thought. But either way... Um, <laughs> We use the creative. We use the creative parts of the of the um, of the art of the visual arts class, and we use the engineering smarts of the engineering program. And so, what they did was they actually drew this out in a CAD. If you guys know what CAD is, CAD is like a design program to be able to make like and design like different like engineering structures. And so that's what they did. They created this awesome thing, and they did all the math because if it was up to the art guys, the math was not going to be done and cans would be all over the ground and people would be hurt because we needed somebody who had the ability to do something that we didn't know how to do. But see, here's the thing. Sadly, a lot of us and a large, a, a large amount of us work, um, uh, we have to do as Christians, we try to build something on our own. A lot of us try to build this stuff on our own and we don't I try to get somebody else to do things for us. And what happens is, is that we end up running around like a chicken with our head cut off because we're trying to be three places at once and we're trying to do so many things. But a lot of the times what we need to do is we need to be able to put someone in front of us to be able to fight the battle for us. Like, hey, I'll do this while you fight the battle in that way. I'll fight the battle in this way. You fight the battle in that way. And see, it's up to us as Christians to recognize the Joshua's in our life. How many people in our life are there really that are waiting for you to give them a responsibility to trust them with something, but you are so busy trying to hoard everything that you don't let them be able to work and do oh, something that could be able to not only alleviate your pain and alleviate your stress, but it could also be able to do better work and be more productive. 
See, um, we talked about this in, um, in prayer, that some of us, it's easy for us to be the ones who help people. We're fine with being the Joshua's, but some of us, it's hard for us to say, oh, I'm going to be the Moses, and I'm going to delegate the responsibilities to somebody else. But we have to find people that we trust to be able to do that. We have to find people that we trust to be able to help us in life. See, I believe some of you all see needs, but sometimes we feel like we can't be met by our own limitations. Let's be honest. There are times that you probably look out into the world and you say, the world needs this, but how am I going to be able to do this? And the truth is God is maybe speaking to you and saying, I didn't want you to do it. I wanted you and a team of people to do it. But you're going to have to be able to trust somebody in order to make it happen. I, I, we, we hear so many people every day that are saying stuff that, that, man, I wish this ministry was happening here at the church. Or I wish we were reaching out to these people. And that's a really good thing that God has put that on your heart. But maybe God has also put that on your heart because he wants you to bring a team of people with you. He's not expecting you to do it by yourself because he knows that it's too much work for you to do. He knows that you can't be in two places at once. So he's put other people beside you, Joshua's beside you, to be able to make it happen. Because we cannot do anything that we do on our own. Moses was over there and he was worshiping God. He was raising his hands. And every time that he was raising his hands, the battle was being won. But Joshua was out in the front lines and he was fighting the battle. See, we need both. We don't need just the Moses and we don't need just the Joshua. We need people that are willing to work together and say, hey, where you're not good, I will be. And where um, I'm not good, you will be. That's how we need to be able to work together as a church. But some of the times it's so much easier for us to say, well, I'm going to do it because I want it to be perfect. And you know that that person can never do the perfect thing that you want to do because they're not you. I mean, is is, is the truth? Like, let's be real. Let's be real. Like, don't sit there and lie and act like you're not that person. Because if you're that person, you need to admit it, okay? I'm that person sometimes, and I'll admit it. But the thing I'm recognizing more and more in life is that if God wants something to be done, he didn't want me to be able to be on the platform for it. Oh, man, he wanted people to be able to put their hands together, put their minds together, and be able to make it happen together. He never expected us to work alone. The second thing is this. Everyone needs someone to hold them accountable. Okay? This is why we need to coach on because everybody needs someone to hold them accountable. See, accountability is an ugly word inside of the church because some of you guys are thinking about maybe the first time that you guys went to camp or something and someone said, you need an accountability partner. And then you just got over there and it was real awkward and you're like, so um, I sinned this morning and um, last week I sinned and then this morning I sinned and then, and that, like, that's what you think of as accountability. It's that awkward, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, uh, uh. accountability is so much more than that. Accountability is not just saying, hey, I've messed up. Hey, I've done this wrong. Yeah, that's a part of it. But man, when you look at accountability, you see what what is happening in this story. See, God gave Moses an assignment. He said, hey, every time that you raise your hands, we're going to see, um, you're going to see the battle won. 
Every time that you raise your hands, we're going to see the battle won. But see, here's the thing. It wasn't just that that happened. Two people saw the responsibilities, but they didn't try to take the stuff from him. Like, they didn't try to go over there and say, well, oh, you know what? You're getting tired, um, Moses. Let me be the one to raise my hands. Let me be the one to take the staff. No, but they helped and held him accountable. They said, hey, you know what? I see that you're getting tired. You know what? I'm going to hold you up. I see that you're getting tired. I'm not going to try to take your place. I'm going to try to make sure that you can hold yours. Because here's the thing, we need people in our lives who can help keep us on the mission that we are called to be on. We need people that can be beside us and not try to become us, but try to strengthen us. And that's what we see here. They supported what he was doing. So for some of you guys, um, some of you guys didn't know this, and some of you guys do, because um, I've talked to a few people about it, but I, I recently, like in this past month, I've been trying to work more on my health, so I've been trying to eat better, been um, weightlifting and stuff like that. And here's the thing, okay? In weightlifting, okay, when you're doing it, okay, if you want to do it safely, you don't try to max out on, on your weight without somebody being there to spot you. It's just not smart. Right. Like I'm, if some of you guys are on Instagram and y'all are on seeing reels and stuff like that, y'all might have seen these reels where these people try to do the lift weight that they can't do because they want to try to impress some people. And then they end up getting their chest crushed by a bench press thing. I'm not going to try to be one of those people. So I, I, I don't care if I've got to put only 10 on there. I'm gonna only put 10 on there until I learn how to do it because I'm not going to be the one. You're not going to see me up on Instagram dying because I was being dumb. Um, but, <laughs> but the thing is this, okay? You can still get stronger without having a spotter. Don't get me wrong. But the truth is you can never maximize your potential without somebody helping to spot you. See, here's the thing. I think in the church we've gotten so used to saying, I just want to be strong. But that's not what God wants. God doesn't just want us to be strong. God wants us to be our strongest. And when we're at our strongest is when we have people by our side helping us to be able to reach our maximum potential. And we cannot do that on our own. I want to stress that because we're in a world that wants so much to say, well, this is my spirituality. This is my journey. I don't need you in it. I don't need you a part of it. But God is saying, I don't want you to just do this on your own. If I wanted you to do it on your own, I would have left Adam by himself. I wouldn't have given him Eve. And man, after Adam and Eve, they had kids. And then he didn't know, they didn't only have one kid, he had multiple kids. Because God never intended, because God never intended for us to be by ourselves. He never intended that for us. But so much of the times in church, we make it all about us and all about our strength when God is saying, I want you to rely on other people too. Because here's the honest truth it is dangerous to take on the weight of the world without someone to keep us steady. Man, you, you guys are in elementary school. 
You guys need somebody that's helping you be able to work on your problems, like your math problems, your English things. You need someone to help you with your homework. You need to be able to admit when you can't do all of the things. It's okay. You're in high school. You're in middle school. And God wants to be able to use you guys in an amazing way, but maybe you are too scared to be able to call out to somebody to help you and help you accomplish your goals. Because here's the truth, okay? I'll tell you this, okay? This is, this is something that is going to be very important for you guys for the rest of your life, okay? It's so much easier to try and say, I got this, than it is to be able to say, I need help. But the truth is, if you don't ask for help, some of the times it can create problems for you. So one of the things that um, when I was in high school, this wasn't even part of my notes, but this came to my mind. One of the things when I was in high school, I was about to go, go into college, right? And um, God had, um, um, I had felt like I was going to be going um, to uh, Virginia Western, okay? And so I had applied for this, um, I had applied for this scholarship called CCAP, okay? Now, when I applied for this scholarship, my mom was like, hey, um, you, you, you need some help? And I was like, no, nah, I got this, mom. I got this, mom. I got this. Trust me, I got this. Now, here's the thing, okay? So the deadline comes by, and I'm like, okay, thinking everything's going to be good, right? <laughs> I'm good. I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm chilling, guys. Um, and then all of a sudden they said, you didn't actually fill all of it. You forgot to fill this one document. And, uh, yeah, you're not going to get free college no more. And um, that was when I learned the issue that you need help in life. And even though you may feel like you have it, even though you may feel like you have it under control, it's okay to ask for help. If anything, just to have somebody to be a second person to look over it. Okay? My mom's saying amen because she's like, that's why you in debt, mom. That's why you in debt. That's all you. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but, but here's the thing, okay? It's the same for adults. May, uh, and I'm going to just say this, okay? And this is a very important thing that I want people to hear. Men in this room, I want you to look at me. Every man in this room, I want you to look at me. No matter whether you are, just, whether you are younger as a man and you're like a teenager or whether, you're, or whether you're older as a man, I want to tell you guys this. We need help too. You see, God has put a mantle on us, and he's told us to be able to lead our families. But we think that we can be able to do that on our own. And we think that it makes us weak to be able to call out for help. We do not need to feel like this weakness for asking for help. We need it. Man, I, as a father, I'm a young father. And man, I need some men in my life that can be able to say, how do you, how, you know what, this is how I did this. You know what, this is one thing that helped me as a father. This is one thing that helped me as a husband. And you know what, it's even greater if you can even give that type of advice to people young. Because the younger that they learn this, the more that they grow up in a society where they're not afraid to say that they need help where they're not afraid to say that they need mentorship, where they're not afraid to say that they need people to rise up. See, if you guys look throughout this room, there are some amazing men in this room, but, if, but, but there can be so many more.
But so much of us, so much of us men, we, we want to say, well, we don't need religion. We don't need church. I'm telling you right now, you need church. And not because there's something amazing about this place, but it's because church is the people that you are involved with. And God has placed people in your life so it can help strengthen you and help you grow up. Man, you want to have a good marriage? You want to look at, you got to look at other people that have good marriages. You want to have, you want to be good in your finances? You got to look at other men that are doing good with their finances. You want to be good with your kids? You got to look at some other people that are doing good with your kids. Every single person in this room needs somebody to hold them accountable. So here's the thing. Okay, we, we, have, um, we have a second part of this um, before I get into the last point, okay? Um, I, we're going to do another sword drill, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Why don't you put the Bible on your head, and if your name is Sarah, you are not allowed to because you already got one. Um, where is the, oh, there it is. All right, so, you ready? Okay. If you guys need a parent to help, you guys can get a parent to help you too, by the way. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one. Go, Acts 9.26, Acts 9.26. Let's see who gets there first. Acts 9.26. You got you to show it to me. You got to show it to me. Oh, Emily got here first. Emily got here first. There you go. Good job. Good job. You know what? You beat your older sister. How does that feel? <laughs> Hey, 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 you know? Hey, we are talking about how we need help from other people. So God will bring you somebody. Amen? Amen. All right, so um, Acts 9.26, it says this, okay? It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Who is he? I forgot to explain that. It is Paul, by the way. Um, uh, But... um, But anyway, it says, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased the numbers. So here's the thing, okay? People were scared of Paul, Okay? Paul, Saul, if y'all getting confused by that. If y'all are not church people, y'all, y'all don't know, but, but Paul and Saul, like, they're the same person. Saul went by two different names. Paul was his Roman name. Saul was his name, was his Jewish name. So, um, so when you hear me say Paul, don't be confused. But Paul was living a life where he was literally killing Christians. Every time that someone was saying they believed in Jesus, he was, send, he was sending people to go kill them. 
And actually, one of the first martyrs that we hear about in the Bible, he was standing at the at the um, he was standing right there, and approving of that death. And so, as you can imagine, if somebody's out here killing Christians, and then they pop up into the church and they say, "I got a word from God," everyone is like. No, you don't. Get out of here. I'm calling the police. Like, that's exactly what we're thinking, right? Because we're scared of somebody who would do that, as we should be, you know? But here's the thing. Barnabas chose to put his neck out for him. He chose to put his neck out for him and say, hey, I've heard what he has done before. I've heard what, uh, what God did in his life when he was where he was. And I want to be able to show y'all that I trust them. See, here's the last point. Everyone needs someone to elevate them. Everybody needs someone to elevate them. I mean, think of a pickup game, right? If you guys have ever done a pickup game of basketball, soccer, whatever sport, or you guys are playing video games and you're trying to wait for that one person, or you're playing kickball or whatever, whatever it may be, okay? And you are waiting for that one person to call your name and pick you for the team. Some of the times what you need is you need somebody to be like, no, that guy's cool, trust me, trust me, trust me. You want him on your team. The thing is, a lot of us don't have that, right? A lot of us don't have people that can elevate us, but that's what we need. See, how many times are we at work or we at school and we see people that are always alone? Not because they want to, because I understand that some people like to be alone, they like to have their time by themselves, but what about the people who are alone because nobody cares about them and nobody wants to talk to them? How much can God be able to work in us that we can be able to elevate them? What if these people were put in your path because God wanted you to elevate them? What if God put that stinky boy beside you because he wants you to show him that there's a God who loves him? What if God gave you that rude coworker because he wants you to be a carrier of peace? What if he gave you that crazy professor because he wants you to teach them about the grace of God? See, the problem is that we don't see people coming to Christ like it really is. See, if y'all don't know this, um, when um, on May 17th, 2022, okay, everything changed for me, okay? I already had the two, my two beautiful girls. They are a beautiful part of my life, and I love them dearly. But it's a whole different thing to be there during the birthing process. And see, it was crazy, Okay. Got, uh, um, she had started having contractions early that morning, but we still had to get Ava and Nola to school. And so I dropped them off over at their elementary school, right? And then all of a sudden, I was speeding. And if y'all know me, if y'all been behind me driving, I am not a speeder. I do not do that. I am the one that sees the speed limit and does not see that as a suggestion. I actually follow it. Um, but <laughs> some of y'all, y'all like, he coming to my house. How you know that? Because uh, I know some of y'all. I've been behind some of y'all. It's crazy. <laughs> Every lane is the fast lane for y'all. But um, 
that wasn't a thing for me, right? Like, I'm not the type of person that does that. But better believe, it was like, it was the last, um, it was the last lap in, a, in the Mario games. Y'all know, it was the last lap in Mario Kart. All of a sudden, the music gets faster. Everyone's getting star power. And they're like, dun, 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 dun. that's what it felt like, right? Um, except I wasn't invincible, so if I would have hit a car, it would have been done. But either way, <laughs> either way, that was how it was. It was that crazy, right? Then we get there, and guess what? <laughs> uh, she was uh, almost having the baby. Like, she could have almost had it in the car. Like, we got stopped by a policeman because he was like, why are you driving 80 in a 50? And I was like, because uh, she has a baby. And then, you know, she, and I was like, well, I mean, she doesn't have a baby. Like, she's about to have, I mean, she's about to give birth in this car. Please let me go. And so, uh, and so we get there, and she has, she was literally that close. I think she was like uh, nine centimeters dilated, something like that. Too, too close, too close, y'all. Um, but, and so then we go through that process, and, and it's a crazy process. If you guys have never been there when a birthing process is happening, it is messy, it is chaotic, everything about it is wild. But here's the truth about this, okay? Mothers go through pain and discomfort because they know the product of the labor is worth it. I want to explain to you guys this process called sanctification. It's a really big word, but it's separating the holy from the unholy. And see, here's the thing. When you're separating the holy from the unholy, I can guarantee that's going to be a messy process. I guarantee it's going to be chaotic. I guarantee you're going to hear things that you, maybe you're just like, oh, I felt like they would be better than that. No, they're not because they're learning. Because here's the thing, elevating someone requires some humility. It requires you to recognize that despite your current location, you are nowhere near your final destination. No matter where you are, you're not where you need to be. And when we recognize that, we recognize that we're not perfect, we're just progressing, we're becoming who God has called us to be. And when we think about that, it's going to give us some, uh, some humility because we're going to be beside these people no matter what's going on. See, one of the things that's wonderful about uh, youth ministry and kids ministry is that you get to be with them while they're still learning how to be able to uh, uh, respond to God, how they're able to respond to things. So yeah, man, some of the times we be in uh, Bible studies and we be doing different things and you cuss words kind of come out because the kid is new to this, <laughs> you know? And here's the thing I've always told the students in the youth group, okay? I'm like, yeah, it might be weird to hear that the first time. But if we're doing what God has called us to do, there are going to be some messy situations that we're going to be in the middle of. And I'm not saying that we need, to, we need to be just as messy. I'm just saying we need to be beside them throughout the mess. Because just like a child, when they're get, just like a, a, a woman when they're giving birth, it might be messy and it might be chaotic, but it's because new life is coming into the world. And if we want the new life to come into life, church, we've got to be there with some messy situations. And we've got to choose to elevate people when they feel like they are lower than they could possibly be. And some of the times that means that the person might not even be Christian yet. But you know what? They are a person who can be a child of God if they choose to believe. 
And when we see them like that, and when we see them for their humanity, and we see them for what God has called them to be, we will not look at the location that they're at right now. We're able to look to the future and not just sit here and think about what's happening right now. Elevating someone means that you look at everyone like a child of God. Elevating someone means that you are there with somebody through the entire process. See, this church has co-signed people for years. They have. Like, I'm not saying this like, oh, I'm beating you over the head. Like, y'all don't ever co-sign people. I'm only here because of a co-sign. I'm only here because there was a person who saw it in their mind to say, hey, I'm going to give a check. And you know what? We're going to make sure that this guy is able to go to that mission trip. And that was that mission trip where God called me in the ministry. I'm only here because a pastor chose to be able to co-sign me. Even though I am not, even though I didn't have the experience. Even though I wasn't the most skilled person out there. But Pastor Josh did that for me. He co-signed me because he saw the potential in me. Paul is only here because somebody chose to co-sign him years ago when he went to when he went to fine arts. And you know what's crazy? Yeah, like me, me, him, me and him, we didn't get any awards that year. But here's the crazy thing that happened. Because somebody co-signed him, that's why you guys have seen Will Hartman and what he does. The main reason why he does it is because he saw Paul do again. You guys don't know the effect of your cosign. There's no way you can. But God is using you and God wants to use you because he loves you and he wants to see the church grow and he wants to see people come to know Jesus. But we have to be listening to the call and we have to be willing to cosign people. Sometimes we wait for the next event instead of recognizing that the opportunities we have every day. Are we fighting for people each day? Do we help people by accomplishing tasks for them? Are we trusting others to fight for us? Are we giving them tasks that they can be able to do? Are we building relationships where we can keep other people accountable? Are we elevating others? If we can't do it, then how can we expect others to do it? Here's the thing, practical steps. First of all, you guys need to be able to co-sign the gospel. You guys need to be able to stand behind the gospel because if you don't stand behind the gospel, every single thing that you do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many things that you give to missions. It doesn't matter how many things you do in the church. If you don't co-sign the gospel, you won't be able to be used. See, Jesus already signed the papers, but he's not going to force you to sign off on the purchase. Jesus has already put his signature down. He's already said, hey, I went to the cross as payment. What I need you to do is I just need you to stand in agreement with me. I need you to say, I accept that payment and we're going to see this happen. We're going to see God work in us. See, you have been bought with a price, but you have to accept the terms of the agreement in order for the final purchase to be made. Have you co-signed the gospel? Second thing is this. You need to search for someone to co-sign you. Now that you have Jesus, you must search for others to help you. If, he, if it could be parents, it could be parents in your life that are co-signing you. 
It could be other leaders that you know or other mature Christians. Find some people that can help co-sign you. But then the next thing is you need to co-sign others. Man, Speed the Light helps us to co-sign missionaries and their efforts. We have a few students who are doing a one in a thousand challenge to help co-sign missionaries using their talents. If you guys don't know what one in a thousand is, basically students are choosing to do one thing a thousand times so that they can be able to raise money for missions. It's a challenge. It sounds like it's very difficult, but they're willing to do it and they're willing to put in the time because they want to see the gospel get spread all over the world. And so if you want to partner with them, you can. Um, I have a sheet out there that says about the different things, but um, Malachi is going to be doing a thousand drumstick flips. Um, uh, Eli and Jacob are going to be doing um, a thousand, are going to be running a thousand yards. Um, Lexi is doing a thousand volleyball hits. Uh, Bethany and Zoe are making a thousand cookies, not all at once. So um, if you guys want to be able to get cookies, please order them so that they can actually get to a thousand. So we'll, we'll hope that they can get there in the next three months. Okay. That's, that's the hope. Okay. But here's the thing. Okay. If we co-sign people, we can be able to see something amazing happen. Not because we just want to see these kids get elevated. No, it's because we want to see the gospel get elevated all over the world. See, what they're doing is an awesome way to help others learn about Jesus, but they need someone to help support them. But even beyond those things, if God puts it on your heart, ask a ministry leader if there's a way you can help them. When people come to you in a time of need, don't close yourself off to them. If someone's in a messy situation, stand beside them. When they are feeling lost, stand beside them. So here's the thing, okay? We're going to do an altar call real quick, but there are a few different things I want to do, and I want to make sure you're listening, okay? If you have never actually accepted Jesus' sacrifice, meaning that you have not um, admitted to him that you're a sinner, admitted to him that you don't have it all together, admitting that you need him, if you have not believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, meaning that not only did he die on the cross for your sins, not only did he raise up from the dead, but he's also worth following. If you haven't done that, um, the, that, that's part of it. But then lastly, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you do those things, then you are saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you confess in your mouth that he is Lord, that he is the ruler over your life. If you admit that you're a sinner, then man, you are able to accept Jesus. So here's the thing. If any of you guys want to do that, I just want you guys to come to the altar right now. If you're saying, hey, I have never actually put Jesus into my heart. I've never actually accepted it. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe you've known people in church but you've never actually had a chance to actually accept Jesus. If that's you right now, I just want you to come forward and it's not something that you should be ashamed of. It's not something you should feel bad about. God is working in your life. All right. Now, the second thing I wanna say is, if you are saying, man, I wanna be a part of this process of looking for a cosign and cosigning others, if you're saying, hey, I want to be a part of that process, I just want you to come over here to the front. 
because here's what we're going to do, okay? You're about to go through a worship song, and I want us to stand together and start letting God speak to us about what people we need to um, be able to co-sign and what people we need to let co-sign us. So if that's you right now, you're saying, man, I need help or I need to be a help to others or both. I, I just want you to come out here to the front. I know that you're not alone because I'm gonna be up here too. But come on, if that's you right now, just come on to the front. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.